Super Collider had a great deal in common with a diamond. Aesthetically tacky, value artificially ascribed by corporate greed, cultural significance vastly overinflated, and incredibly hard to damage. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks, and I'm your host, Ramia Amuddin. The quote of the week is by Natalie Zena Walshutz from the book Hench, and this is the book of the month for Kelly and Ramia, and uh, we have been getting some interesting and contrasting reviews from friends. This is originally recommended by Mark Phoenix, but this is probably the most divided bunch of reviews that I've been hearing through the grapevines about one of our books of the month. And it's been, you know, two plus years that we started this monthly book club. So I'm finding it very, very intriguing. The best part is I haven't even started the book yet. All I've gotten are the synopsis at face value and the reviews from friends and other book club members. So it's been very juicy very intriguing and I cannot wait to get into it myself now I also have read through some of the quotes on Goodreads so it's going to be fun to go in with this kind of information into actually reading the book I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing I'll let you know after I finish the book let's get into the CELA homepage. every week we take a look at the Center for Equitable Library Access where we give you the list of featured titles on the homepage, and the three that are up there now are Queen Charlotte by Julia Quinn. This is a historical romance. We also have Page Boy by Elliot Page, and this is an LGBTQ plus biography. And the last one up there is Snow Road Station by Elizabeth Hay, and this is a family stories. Nisreen, jumping quickly over to you for some book news. Yeah, so it's important to find engaging and beneficial ways for kids to have fun rather than relying solely on TV, junk food, or video games. According to Good E-Reader, excessive screen time can be harmful to their eyes and their overall development. Audible is recommending you to encourage your children to get into the world of audiobooks, podcasts, and audio series. It can give your children the opportunity to explore on their imagination. So my thought process here was, yeah, of course, that would be great. But thinking now about this generation, I don't know how short their attention span is. And I feel like they're very visual nowadays. But I think it would maybe depend on how they grow up. So if you get them into audiobooks when they're babies, you know, just have them in the background, maybe that would be different. What do you think? I mean, attention span, definitely an issue. Also, engagement and stimulation on these different levels. You talked about visual, uh, time, pacing, three-dimensional, and all of these things we didn't necessarily have to think about because we were getting that engagement in other ways. We'd go outside to play with our friends or whatever, uh, have actual family time, whereas all of that has changed And we're getting so much of that two-dimensionally through screens. So, yeah, you're right. It poses a lot of questions uh, and challenges to address. But I'm curious about the question altogether. Thanks for it, Niz. Cheers. We'll be back with Megan Gilmore as we check out one of her favorite children's authors of all times. And we got pause or play for you this week. (laughs) 
let's get into pause or play as we haven't done that in a while. So it's nice to kind of bring it back every once in a while and get that dopamine hit of just saying we're going to do pause or play. But seriously, so we glanced over a few books from the CELA homepage under the featured title section right on their homepage at celalibrary.ca. And now we're going to hit pause or play on one of these listens. Snow Road Station was the final one on that list by Elizabeth Hay. It's a family stories, amongst other things that it's categorized under for genre and vibe. But let's find out what it's about. Here's the synopsis. In the winter of 2008, as snow falls without interruption, an actor in a Beckett play blanks on her lines. Fleeing the theater, she beats a retreat into her past and arrives at Snow Road Station, a barely discernible dot on the map of Ontario. The actor is Lulu Blake. In her 60s now, a sexy, seemingly unfooled woman, well-versed in taking risks. Out of work, humiliated, she enters the last act of her life, wondering what she can do of her diminished self. In Snow Road Station, she decides she's through with drama, but drama, it turns out, isn't through with her. She thinks she wants peace, turns out she wants more. And looming in the background is that Autumn's global financial meltdown, while in the foreground, family and friends animate a round of weddings, sap harvests, love affairs, and personal turmoil. At the center of all of this is the lifelong friendship between Lulu and Nan. As the two women contemplate growing old, they surrender certain hard-held dreams and confront the limits of the choices they made and the messy feelings that kept them apart for decades going around the table let's find out who's hitting pause and who's hitting play on this title nisreen starting with you as tradition goes you know i feel like the synopsis was a bit long however it gave me just enough that i want to know more mm. okay and if i had read it faster would it have made a difference <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I still I Be still honest. feel like they didn't give right. away too much. So I, I'd say mm. I'm going to put play. Okay, hit play. That's a good start. Megan, pause or play? I'm going to hit play. Actually, I almost bought this book um, a oh. few weeks ago, but then I was buying other books, so I had to restrain myself and put this on like the library list. But no, I would right. hit play. Um, I am curious, though, by the name choices. Lulu and Nan. Like, is this yes. what people were naming their children in the 1940s? <laughs> I don't know, but it was definitely one thing that I raised my eyebrows at as well. But I love that. Um, I love these kind of things with TV, with books. These days, I don't know if it's a trend or if I'm just honing in on this, but the friendship between women, groups of women, pairs of women, and then the older I'm seeing a lot more of like the older younger dynamic but um this would be nice just as kind of a reminiscence maybe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for people okay yeah um I'm loving it I'm also gonna hit play on this uh but unlike Megan I haven't bought the book already it is available in human narration on Sela if you go over there Snow Road Station by Elizabeth Hay and as we can predict, we're checking in with an avid book reader, audiobook listener, opening up this space on AMI Audiobook Review to review 
discuss, recommend, browse, conceptualize, and reminisce on audiobooks. And the voice that we heard is that of Megan Gilmore. She is the host of Connecting Disability, which is an AMI original podcast. It's her first time having you on this show. Megan, welcome. Welcome. Um, but it's not the first time that we have spoken. No, no. You and I go way back on Kelly and Company days. Yes. So I was a, I was one of the first contributors for Kelly and Company um, from when it started to up until 2021. I moved to Ottawa um, yeah. and now I host the podcast and I'm also a regular on Now with Jay Brown. Exactly. So it's cool to have you on here because we've often talked books even on Kelly and Company yeah. like without any you know, premise of books being the actual topic. So it's fun because this is a, an actual conversation. And I want to know, first off, what are you reading lately? Are you in the middle of something right now? What am I reading? Okay, so I've not read a lot of books in this calendar year. I was just finishing up a master's degree and a mm-hmm. lot of work projects um, that were pretty intense. So I would start a lot of books and not finish them. So I have a list right now of the books I'm planning on reading. Right now, as we speak, the day we're recording, I am reading a book. It's a memoir called All My Knotted Up Life by Beth Moore. Uh, she's based in the States. Um, and I'm like, my plan is to finish it this weekend. Okay. I'm a little over halfway through. And my plan is to finish it. And then I have a long list of books to uh, read this summer, one of which yes. we might talk about uh, coming up. But yeah, so this is a memoir. Most of the books I've read this year have been nonfiction, whether that was for school or for work. I had a few people on the podcast and I was reading portions of their books before they came on. So this summer after I'm done, all my knotted up life, I'm hoping to dive back into fiction. I love that title, all my knotted up life. Uh, How did you pick up this one? Um, I'd heard about it. Beth has been a regular on a bunch of podcasts I listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Yeah, she, so I knew that this book was coming, um, and I've watched her life and career like from a distance, but never really like mm. been super invested, but she's had a lot of really interesting things happen in the past few years um, in America with the state of American politics, etc. Um, so yeah, I'm not at that part of the book, but um, it's, it's, it's a very engaging read. She grew up in uh, Arkansas, so I'm learning a lot about the Deep uh, South America. Right. Just geographically as well. Yeah. Do you go scouting for local authors, um, you know, people who are just up and coming, that kind of thing? How do you end up deep diving into the authors and getting to know them? Yeah, I think it probably depends. So uh, I was an English major in my undergrad. Mm -hmm. And there's still some authors from those days that I still like to go back to. So I really liked my Canadian literature courses. Um, and for a while, actually a few years ago when I was reading fiction more, I almost exclusively read Canadian fiction. So in that way, like I would look at a lot of like, it's going to sound really geeky, but like awards lists, like I used to try to read all the books on the Giller long list right. or the Canada reads. I used to try, I didn't do it the last couple of years, but I used to try to read all the Canada reads books. Um, I go to the library a lot and I'll find the books that are marked like express cause they're new. Um, you don't get them for as long and I never read them in time, but I often find books that way. Um, and then like friends, like podcasts I listen to of authors are on. Um, and I'm like, oh, like this is somebody that I would hang out and have coffee with, you know, let me try and read their books. I did, speaking of local authors, friends of mine just mentioned, um, I forget the name of the author, but there's a, there's a mystery series that's set in Ottawa where I live and 
each book so far in the series is set in a specific neighborhood and there's mm. one that was set in my neighborhood oh yes that's intriguing so i'm very excited to read those sometime uh soon so yeah, yeah things like that yeah so some exactly so i i get that you you know go through the the award winners and also but i really like hearing about how you pick up things just because it's locally interesting or because it came across your you know something else and then you're like oh this sounds like something that i could be into yeah. uh, it's just a love for literacy i guess yeah yeah and um if it's a topic i'm interested in or uh sometimes if it's the author like if i know them so for example few months ago on my podcast connecting disability we had ben matlin on mm-hmm. who's a writer out of california i believe um who writes on disability stuff and he had a book come out last year and i was walking through the library and it caught my eye because the cover is very bright colors and then i saw it was him and i like stopped in my tracks and was like i have to get this book out because <laughs> exactly I'm, yeah that's very supportive yeah, I, I love when people are like this, you know, fans and and really just supporting uh, local, like with everything else, and that can extend into books also. Is there a genre or a kind of book or something that you find difficult to get into or challenging that you're like, hey, I want to be able to pick up something like this? Yeah, so I don't <laughs> do I don't do fantasy. I don't do sci-fi. Have it never. I not never. I just do it rarely. Okay. Um. And once I was in a book club a few years ago, and I was back in Toronto, and we read a book that's title is escaping me now, but it was I think like at least five hundred pages, and it was a fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. And I actually like read the whole thing, and I'm very proud of myself. Yep. Um. But it was definitely one of those books that at the beginning of it had like not only the list of characters and how they're all related to each other, but like a map <laughs> of. Like these worlds the and world building, yes. Yeah, maps are not my friend. Like we've never gotten along. We don't get along. Okay. Um, uh, for superficial reasons. But I actually looked at the map at different points. I did try to give myself a geographical picture. I do really appreciate the world building that goes into fantasy. Sure. And like the fact that you are creating something out of nothing, and like the backstories of all these people. I just find that really really fascinating so that Mm. is one genre i wish i could do more just because people get really excited when they talk about it and they're like do you want to talk about my obscure fantasy title and i'm like heck no but so (laughs) do you you feel like you went deep dive though like like you know deep ended it when you could have maybe started with something uh, a little less yeah i probably could have but it was the book that was chosen for book club so i had to like do it and i read it in like a few days because i always procrastinated on my book club reading (sighs) and i like sat down so it was a very intense ride it was a very intense read it was a good read (laughs) i I think i think some books actually work better sure like you read it quickly i think other books yeah like a 48 hour binge yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i think some books work better that way other books you can take your time but uh but if you're like i don't know what fantasy is and then you jump into a 48 hour you're like whoo yeah. Now I got a real impression of what fantasy could be. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so going back to authors, though, I really had to slip that question in because, you know, you have such a um, love for books. I'm like, what would be hard for her? Yeah. What You have a favorite author. This has come up before multiple times on Kelly and Company back in the day. I'm sure you brought it up on Now with Dave Brown. Uh, you have a favorite author, Jean Little. Your yeah. favorite children's author. Is it author. Your favorite children's author, your favorite author. Is it a nostalgia thing? Tell us more. Yeah, um, so Jean Little was my favorite children's author. Um, 
overall like i remember there were some of her books that i was like i don't know if i love 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 this book but i would still read it because i was very loyal to her um i would say children's author and like she's just in a separate category to me Hmm. because of like the relationship i ended up having with her books. so jean little um most people if if you know of her you'll know it's like she passed away um in 2020 yes 2020 Maybe. Um, we fact check that. Yep. Um, but it, it would have been, yeah, it would have been 2020. Um, and uh, she lived in Guelph. Uh, when she died, she grew up mainly in Guelph. Her parents were medical missionaries overseas in uh, Taiwan. Um, and she it was, was 2020, bo- yes. Yeah, it was 2020. Yes, I knew that. Um, and it, so she was born legally blind, uh, cross-eyed. And then she lost her remaining sight in adulthood through glaucoma. And I um, I did not have many or any uh, friends growing up who had any disabilities, let alone one that was very similar to mine. Mm. And so, um, and it would always like say in the little like about the author, like they'd mention like, oh, and like her books have been translated into Braille. And I always find the phrase translated into Braille a little strange because it's not technically a different yeah, language, but a, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but like that was listed because it'd be like Miss Little's works have been translated into a variety of languages and they would list it all and then they'd mention Braille. So that I think was my mom's first clue because she's the first one who introduced me to her books. Mm. Um, and then found out like she was also blind um and one of the many things that I appreciate about that is how naturally that was woven in to the stories so sometimes there would be a character who had a disability um and other times there wasn't like it was just like um so I actually wrote her a letter when I graduated from university wow and uh, talking about the influence that she would had on my life and how I like wanted to become a writer because of her and all these things. And I wasn't sure if I had the patience to write novels like she had. Um, but I did say how I'd appreciated how her decisions to just write the stories that she wanted to write and tell the stories she wanted to tell, that taught mm-hmm. me that if I didn't want to talk about my disability, I didn't have to. I could do whatever. Yeah. Like, there was no... I never got... And I do get this feeling now sometimes when I read more contemporary books about disability particularly books for children that they're very like the goal of this book is to teach you about disability and ableism and i read one a few years ago that in the back of book had a glossary that was like this is what a microaggression is and i was like are you kidding me like what is this book and and it kind of felt like i'm like oh so you didn't want to tell me a story you just wanted to give me like a big message about Mm -hmm. your politics and you found a story that would fit your message Whereas I felt with Jean Little's books, it was like, I just want to tell you a story. And disability might be part of that. And um, indigenous issues in Canada might be part of that. Or divorce might be part of that. Or family illness or death might be part of that. Or just like trying to get along with a new friend that you've met at a summer cottage. Mm. Um, And I'm just going to tell you a story. And all these other things might be part of it, but I'm not necessarily trying to preach at you about disability inclusion, even though that was something that was obviously very important to her. Or so any other of, kind of marginalization. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like it was just more like, hey, we're gonna tell a story, and we're all gonna gather around this story, um, and share this moment together. Um, which I think 
I, I do really wish that more people, when they were when they're writing about things like this, would take that approach. Just tell people's story. Of course, you know, it, stories are the way we connect. We know this, um, and anything beyond that, like you said, you put your politics into it you put that educational approach into it and honestly you, we start to put up our defenses whatever yeah. defenses we already had existing that we were potentially going to take down um we we lose various aspects of that and potential to grow i'm curious about when she spoke um or if you saw her you know interviewing or if she yeah. wrote back to you did she talk about the value in that um she did write back to me and um, I have the letter. Um, it's in another room, but I so I wrote to her as I was graduating university, and I didn't know if I'd be able to get a job because mm. who hires a legally blind girl with an English degree? Which is something that she had experienced as well. She mentions that in her first set of memoirs, little by little. And I'd mentioned how I was really scared, and I think I was also frustrated that I didn't feel like other people would acknowledge like I just wanted all the able-bodied adults in my life to say yes Megan mm. it will be harder for you to get a job because you're just like you're not imagining this but it's it's a hard like who wants to tell a 21 year old that right right and I remember she wrote back and it was something like you're right it will be harder for you but you're not going to turn your face to the wall and cry instead of getting up and taking part in the battle that's powerful and then she's like, like essentially like, yes, it is hard, but it can also be really fun and challenging. And I just loved that acknowledgement of both things are true at the same time, right? Yes. That it is really hard, but it's also really fun. And, and that resilience is going to be the lesson in it. Yeah, and you can have both. Mm. Um, so I did like... Every once in a while, I would try to look up things. But it was after she died that I started, like, really going through the archives, trying to find old interviews of her. And I realized that she had been speaking in Toronto during the time that I had been living in Toronto. Oh. And I felt so offended that there hadn't been, like, a sign in the sky or something that had right. appeared <laughs> above Toronto <laughs> that time. I'm like, I should have found out about this. Um, and I didn't know that, like, so one of her most famous books is a novel called From Anna, which is about a, a girl who has a visual impairment. A lot of her books didn't have that, but the, the From Anna and then the sequel, Listen for the Singing, very much center on vision loss. And in From Anna, one of the main plot points of that book is Anna makes a basket at school. She's in a special class for students with visual impairments at her public school, and they have to make a basket as a Christmas present, and it's like the first time that Anna really feels like she's good at something. And that was very mm -hmm. much based on an experience that Jean had had as a child. Anyways... The basket, like the basket that like inspired that or something, is like in one of the branches of the Toronto Public Library. <laughs> oh, and I did seriously? Not know this, yes. And I was like, how did no one tell me this? Like, there should be like a oh note that comes gosh. out to people. Um. So yeah, and Jean Little was actually um, she was actually really important in the development of Canadian children's literature as a separate genre and that Canada actually has had a lot of like giants of children's literature a lot of them from her generation so yeah. Catherine Patterson and like Kit Pearson and things like that um yeah so she was actually like really involved in just the beginnings of some organizing for associations for children's authors and illustrators mm -hmm. and she admits in some of her memoirs that she didn't think that it would really like go anywhere and she's like good thing they didn't listen to me um 
so yeah there was like this whole generation of authors many of them women of her age who were coming up in like the 60s and 70s uh that really actually paved the way for canadian children's authors and writing and books being the thing that it is today the fact that we have like like national literary contests every year where the like, children in Canada are asked to vote on their favorite books. Mm. Like that it's now a thing. Like exactly. It thing. Yeah. Wasn't always and yeah. oh man, it's so interesting to hear about it. And especially because of your own journey with her uh and all the books, but then after she passes away you go deeper into like who she was and her journey. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and like uh, so she um she wrote a book that came out think the year after i was born um yeah the actually the year i was born so i was born in 1988 and that was the year that her first volume of memoirs little by little Mm -hmm. is published and i found that when i was like 10 at the cools at near my grandparents house in huntsville and i remember they're like we can buy you a book and Mm -hmm. i was like trying to find a june little book and i found and i got really excited and i still have my copy and it has like my little kid handwriting oh and it, um, and there was a mild swear word near the end of the book, and I remember like, re- like, like crossing it out in a pencil or something. <laughs> um, this is amazing. Yeah, and then a few years later, she wrote another a set of memoirs called "Stars Come Out Within," which I read a few years later. Um, and I remember at first not really understanding "Stars Come Out Within" because it was about her adult life mm-hmm. and like her publishing history. And all this stuff, and the story of how she lost all her sight. Um, so whereas little by little is a little more like cheerful because it's about childhood. Right, right. This other book got like deeper, super, yeah, deep and depressing at some points because she sure. really battled depression yeah. as she was going through vision loss. But I still read it, and it introduced me to Emily Dickinson, the late poet. So that was very good. Uh, um, yeah, but then when I got older and I was becoming a published author, right? And journalism is different, but still like learning to work with editors mm-hmm. like this is the book that i would read and be like this is what it means to be a published author this She's is like what it goes through really impacted you like oh, on yeah. a very personal level but also a professional level and then you have all these cherished moments with her direct moments that you've had um, through these letters and through her books and her journey like it's so wonderful Megan we have to wrap here but I, I really hope you'll come back because we didn't get to anything else we wanted to talk about I've been so oh. fascinated listening to you yeah sorry yeah. Jean. we didn't get to anything else we're not allowed to apologize on the show because we just never have enough time okay. <laughs> okay. to talk about everything that we wanted with books thank you for joining us no problem thanks for having me Megan Gilmore uh, is the host of Connecting Disability on AMI, which is a podcast. You can check it out on your favorite podcast platform where Megan and her guests talk about experiences uh, with disability and how that connects each other, all of us, to society. I'm Ramia Amadan, host of AMI Audiobook Review with technical producer Nisreen Abdel-Majid. That's our episode for this week. Until next time, happy audiobook listening. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.